This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everybody. Good evening. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Wednesday, September 14th. Brendan, just a mere minutes after the Cubs sweep 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 the sweep. new york mets in new york they do this uh it was a very popular sentiment on twitter but I, it does my heart good brendan to know that ron santo is up there in heaven just a huge grin on his face oh, no, sweeping no, the no mets doubt about it. in new york while they are trying oh, yeah. to compete for a division title I, you know the cubs mm. may be out of it but this is pretty sweet they may be out of it, but not mathematically yet, Corey. So you never know. You sweep this team, you sweep the next team, and you see where they are. By the way, they're only two wins away from 63. So if you're looking at that leaderboard, we're for sure going to get past that. Yes, the march to 63 uh, is either going to be successful or, you know, epically failed, right, at this point. Ooh, you're thinking dark, aren't um, you? But the Mets had not been swept all season. Brendan, and their season certainly is not on the line, as we talked about, uh, but the division is definitely on the line. And in this series, the Cubs were the first team in MLB history to have 30 fewer wins than their opponent entering a three-game or longer (laughs) road series and sweep the series, winning every game by three or more runs. I did not know that. These that, Cubs. It, these Cubs, Corey. All right. Well, that kind of gets me pumped up a little bit. That's a good sign, right? I Maybe? think so. Yeah. Well, I guess the I you know, it begs a question. Does it say more about the Cubs or does it say more about the Mets? It says everything <laughs> about the Cubs, Corey. Right. Everything. Right. Yeah. It depends how you look at that. But And beating DeGrom too. Who would have thought? Yeah. I mean, this was a I this was a very solid series all around. You got really good pitching. Uh, The Mets not scoring more than three runs in any game in this series. You played the long ball a little bit. You played small ball a little bit. In that last game to start, you put up a six spot in the first inning to to come out in that final game just with... Taking your walks. Yeah, with an absolute bang. Uh, You continued to get more starting pitching that was really good that we'll talk about from all three of the guys that started in this series. Uh, this was just, I, I mean, if we could distill the 2022 season into just these three games, it would have been a lot better than what, you know, the overall product actually was. No doubt. And doing this with an injured roster, too, not having your primary shortstop all three games, it's good to see the depth kind of showing up. I wish we had this depth three years ago. That's kind of where my mind is going. I wish we had this three years ago, but whatever. Yeah. So there is uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, some some individual player stuff. Uh, do want to touch on that starting pitching. We've got some roster news. Uh, Rafael Ortega, of course, uh, suffering what will be a season-ending injury for him. Um, we've got an update on Adbert Alzali. We have a new friend joining the major league team, getting the call from AAA in Jared Young. Plenty to talk about. Uh, So let's just run Mm -hmm. through these box scores real quick, uh, set the table here. On Monday, it was another good start from Javier Assad, a quality start. Six innings, five hits, one earned run, three walks, and six strikeouts, 2.53 ERA on the season there for Javier. The Cubs getting their runs in this one on a Rafael Ortega homer, a Zach McKinstry homer, a Rafael Ortega single, an Alfonso Rivas single, and that was all by the fourth inning. The Cubs scoring would stop there, but they would not need any more than that. A two for four game from Zach McKendry. He's had some uh, a pretty solid games lately. Um, lately, yeah. Yeah, of course. Rough had start, that, but good games. Yeah, yeah. Had that one over the weekend where you know he was uh, you know just short of the cycle. Had had a good game there on Monday. Seiya, two for four in the game on Monday as well. Rafael Ortega, obviously, two for three. Some of the uh, more interesting notes. 
on Tuesday. It was another quality start for Adrian Sampson, Brendan. He just keeps piling them on. Six innings, two hits, no runs, four walks, and three strikeouts. So certainly more walks than strikeouts, not the way you want to go, but only scattering those two hits across six innings uh, certainly helps to limit the base runners around those walks. 3.48 ERA on the season for Samson. We talk about it every time he pitches, but he has just continued to deliver uh, since getting the call for the Cubs. 91 pitches for Samson in this game. The Cubs getting their four runs on Tuesday. Ian Happ going to the second deck, I believe, on Jacob deGrom. Uh, So that's cool. That is his 17th of the year. Jan Gomes with a sack fly. Patrick Wisdom with a uh, brings in a run with a bunt. I love a I love a, a squeeze, Brendan. I know you, you know do. that about me, but I, I love a do. squeeze. Patrick Wisdom, yeah. he's got that stash laying down a bunt. I mean, I I do it's love it. It's old school. Yeah, you love it. There, well, and there's something about it too in this situation where like the Cubs win game one, they're coming in game two against Degrom, and you know, Hap with the big homer, but then they're also like playing this like sneaky small ball to like, they they look like the team that's competing for the playoff spot, right? And a lot of these. You, you love old school baseball. Well, you I don't think the that's ups, true. The bunts, you love this pitcher batting. When you say nice old school, it has a bad connotation. I mean, in a good okay, way. Yeah. I don't think it's bad. I feel like when you say that, it, it sounds like I like, you know, pitchers retaliating when uh, hitters hit, <laughs> you know, pimp a home run, stuff like that. Honestly, honestly, sometimes I kind of do like that. But that's it's so good. You okay. like that when the, the Cubs do that. I do, yeah. yeah. Not the other way you around. You do like the Cubs starting fights. Anyway, uh, David Bodie also hitting his second home run in the seventh inning there. Uh, and that would be all she wrote, 4-1, to one, the final on Tuesday. 6-3, to three, the final tonight on Wednesday. Five innings strong from Drew Smiley. Four hits, one earned run, one walk, five strikeouts, 3.48 ERA on the season for Drew Smiley. The six runs, again, all coming in the first inning, a Jan Gomes double, a P.J. Higgins double, a Michael Hermosillo double, and a Nelson Velasquez single made it six to nothing. Following Drew Smiley tonight, Cubs got good work from Eric Yeoman, Rowan Wick, Michael Rucker does give up a run in an inning of work, and then Mark Leiter Jr. picks up his second save of the year in a clean final inning there. I, I mean, this was, yeah, wow, what a series. I, I mean, it's it's interesting to even look back on it through the box scores. Like, they just completely <laughs> outplayed the Mets for three straight days. It wasn't even close, too. And reading the, the pregame set last episode, you think, oh, Bassett, you're thinking, you know, DeGrom, I'm hoping they get four runs the entire series. Oh, yeah. So well, and you just sort of impressive. like it's we we know this, of course, uh, as well as anybody as as a fan base. You you, you know it's not easy to roll over uh, teams that have not played well just because you need to win those games, right? We know this, mm-hmm. but this is a bad loss for the Mets, a bad series loss at home. I mean, New York is freaking out. Yes, yeah. I mean, and there was some really great shots of like sad Mets fans yeah, their head, head in their hands yeah. stuff that's like my that. Fa- that that's like my favorite part of the playoffs is because you get those those sad shots mm-hmm. I love that yeah we we yeah okay we have I love suffering in baseball fans. we I can't be the only one no I don't think you're the only one. Oh no I isn't that why we were all enjoying this yeah 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 so Let's talk about the starting pitching, though, because this, as you said, when you looked at the probables for this series, you sort of expected this to go the opposite way. Uh, The Cubs get two quality starts uh, from Assad and Samson, and then Smiley with, uh, the you know, an inning short of a quality start. And when you look at, uh, I think this this number won't include Smiley's start, but in the second half of this major league season— there are only two teams in baseball with a better ERA than the Cubs rotation. So just the rotation. Uh, the Cubs came into Wednesday's game, I believe, with a 3.11 ERA, and then Smiley had a strong start. The only two teams in front of them— Hold on. Can I, can I guess them? The two teams? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay? No. Dang. Houston? Yes. And I'm, I'm assuming the Dodgers. Yes. Okay. Dodgers number sense. one. Houston number two. 
I mean, whoa, right? Like, uh, you know, especially like uh, in the second half, you've certainly gotten starts from Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele, uh, but they have both now, you know, missed some time recently. And that's a lot of starts from Drew Smiley, um, Adrian Sampson, Javier Assad now, like third in baseball, Brendan, in the second half, this Cubs starting rotation group. How do you feel about the Assads and the Samsons? Because they're under team control. They'll be back next year, at least getting a shot in spring training. And maybe even Smiley may come back as well with an option. Maybe it gets picked up. Maybe there's mutual interest. All three of those guys could be part of this picture next year. But that means certain spots might be taken away from potential free agents. Where do you stand on that? Well, I mean, I think that uh, I think that it is good to see, and this has been a productive use of this time to let these guys start and have some opportunity here. I think you know, at times throughout this season, we kind of assumed that maybe someone like Caleb Killian would be getting these starts. Obviously, now we're seeing more of Hayden Wesneski kind of piggybacking um, mm-hmm. Wade Miley a little bit. So, you know, it, it, it's it's certainly maybe more exciting if these starts are going to your tippy-top prospects, and that's kind of carrying over into next year, like we saw last year with Steele and Thompson, right? But I think this is also valuable. You know, these guys are part of the organization. They they can be under team control and, and be flexible options for you. And we've talked a lot about, like, how important that depth is. And, you know, you look at a team— speaking of a team like the Dodgers, right? Like they've had their fair share of injuries and, you know, Javier Assad and Adrian Sampson might not be as big of a name or have the potential of someone like Dustin May who comes in and fills in when Walker Bueller gets hurt or something like that, right? But you need these players is the point that I'm making, right? Like if you're going to be a good competitive team, you can't go into the season with a one through five and just Mm -hmm. assume that those five guys start all of 162 games, right? It doesn't work that way. Sometimes you get lucky with health or you have better fortune with that. And sometimes it's a total disaster, but these guys are important. So I think seeing what they can do, getting all this information and data and, you know, seeing that this rotation as it's currently constructed has apparently been able to compete with some of the best in baseball, right? Like, yeah. I think that's a worthwhile exercise. I I don't want my words to get kind of misconstrued here when I talk about Samson, but there's there's an ideal part of me that think there's even more with with Samson. I I, I like him. I, I always have liked him because he has five unique pitch types. I, I like pitchers who throw many pitches. I think you know this by now. Uh, it mitigates the lineup-to-lineup variation quite well. And with Samson, he throws a four-seamer, sinker, slider, changeup, and cutter. And he throws all five of those pitches with pretty, you know, equal distribution. And what's interesting to me about Samson is that yes he commands pitches really well he has a command rating on his four seam his sinker his slider his cutter of at least 55 or 60 on the 80 scale so about a standard deviation above the mean that's about you know 85th percentile almost uh that's encouraging but it's this is where I'm like huh this is interesting. His cutter rates its stuff as a 70 on the 80 scale. 70. Adrian Sampson. His slider rates as a 55 on the stuff scale out of 80. So he has two breaking pitches that move more than your average pitcher, but he only throws those two pitches to cutter and slider 20% of the time. He throws a four-seamer 33% of the time, a sinker 31% of the time, then a changeup 15% of the time. My, my thinking is, if he's comfortable locating those breaking pitches, there, there might be more there in Samson, and more in terms of his ability to get more whiffs, more strikeouts, you limit the random batted ball variation that you see. And right now we have, for example, his XFIP, 4.5 his overall fit 
3.9. His ERA is just a shade under 3.5. It, I don't. A lot of people use like, oh, the difference is is a marker of luck. I don't. You know, you can interpret it like that, but those differences are due in fact because his K per nine is only six point three. So all this is to say is I I might be interested in Samson more than some of the other guys that we may list throughout this off season, throughout this end of the season, because maybe as the off season continues and spring training continues. Maybe a tweak in sequencing in, in, in his repertoire might make Samson a surprise guy, like way more than I ever thought that Alec Mills would be. Alec Mills never had the pitch types that rate as well as Samson, Corey. He's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, look, they're getting results, right? Like, if you can be turning in this many quality starts, this is the type of stuff that you want from the depth of your rotation. I think... You're hoping that next year, obviously, they bolster the rotation in the offseason. You have a healthy Marcus Stroman. We'll see where Kyle Hendricks is at, you know, this offseason and, and coming into— That's a tricky one. That is a very right. tricky one. That we. Uh, what do you mean? What do you do with that? Like, uh, you and I have talked about that before. <laughs> I think you don't count on it at all, and you see how he goes through the offseason. But, but hold on. But if he's healthy, then he has to have a slot in the rotation, yeah? I, I would think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, like, you can't— go out let's say okay in my mind you have keegan you have justin Steele, you have stroman those are three locks right kyle if he's healthy he's your fourth lock and if you go out and improve elsewhere by trades or free agents that's your fifth lock and then the other guys are kind of left out including wesneski samson you know assad killian all you know i don't know what they what they want to do with alzelite they're all locked out right so that's a tricky situation because you don't know what you're going to get with Kyle and you may want to improve not by just getting one starting pitcher, but by two starting pitchers in free agency or through trades. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, these, some of these guys have performed well. I don't know, uh, that I'm not going to improve the rotation, you know, because of them. Right. And I think, you know, with, Kyle, you got to see, I mean, how he even recovers, right? I mean, we'll see if this is even a conversation that we're having, you know, given the the type of injury that he was having, the ramp up period, uh, the kind of up and down success that he was having, even when he was healthy. So I I, I just don't know how much they're going to reserve for that. Um, But are you even comfortable? Okay, let's say you do reserve it. Let's say you reserve the four spot with the uncertainty are you no in okay? this scenario he's the five yeah okay if he's the if he's the five then are you oh man yeah i mean i guess that's okay i mean then, the answer right? is inherently no i'm not comfortable with it i have no idea what we're dealing with right how could i be comfortable with it yeah i mean i guess you know, you know coming off a loud. pretty like serious injury yeah, yeah, not yeah, in terms yeah. of like you know needing surgery or anything but he's missed yeah. a lot of time and it's obviously particularly important to, you know, pitching, like, <laughs> you know, right? So I know I'm not comfortable with that. Well, but you're, I, you're just you're just assuming that they're going to go out and, and get a guy, like, outside the organization then. If well, I think they have putting to. them at the number five. Right. I, I mean, I think that the rotation has been very good in this second half, but you still have a group that is not generating a lot of whiffs, um, you know, sometimes is up and down with command and things like that. And I think what this rotation needs is exactly that, you know, sort of a dominant number one, number two, that generates a lot of whiffs, is not relying on the defense, is not relying on batted ball data, things like that. Um, and again, I, I think these guys are, are very nice to have and you're going to need them, right? Mm-hmm. I, the Cubs have used more than five starting pitchers this year by a, a significant margin, Right. And that's going to be the case, you know, whether you're a, a competitive team, a very competitive team, or a not competitive team. You need that depth. Um, so there, there, you know, there was, uh, there's been a lot of rumors, right? I mean, we taught, you know, Nico was answering questions about the shortstop stuff. So was David Ross. Ken Rosenthal was on marquee like two months ago talking about, yes, the Cubs are definitely signing one of these big shortstops, things like that. And, you know, even this week, there's, there was, you know, another rumor going around about Treya Turner 
and Carlos Rodon and the Cubs having interest there and, you know, kind of more smoke on the fire of the Cubs spending and things like that, which some people are certainly going to say, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. But this is like, uh, you know, it's almost like a media blitz that's being put out there, right? Um, I believe it, by the way. Like I like I don't know about you know. The well, you and explicit. I are suckers, so of course we. Believe well, it. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's like almost so stupid to not spend money. Oh yeah, in this we talked season. about that too. Yeah, they're they're not yeah. gaining anything by continuing. It makes to be no bad. sense. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, there's no reason to believe they're going to do it now. But like, but like the other alternative is yeah. So let's let's look at that specifically. Like, let's say they added someone like Rodon. Okay. How do you feel about that group? If that was the only addition that they made. It's okay. Rodon, and then it's Stroman, and then you make your decisions from there. You know, are you are you bringing Keegan back and having him start? Justin Steele is starting. Are you keeping a spot for Kyle Hendricks? Are you letting Assad, Samson stick around, put them in the bullpen so that they can do, uh, you know, that kind of hybrid role and then jump into the rotation, say, if Hendricks has an issue or whatever how do you feel about that is that enough for you okay well we, we uh, this listing the names off let's say you have Rodeau number one Stroman number two Steele number three Keegan number four and then number five is Kyle so those are your five and then left out there is Wisniewski Samson Assad Smiley if you want to spend you know 10 million if he wants to come back those are four guys Killian if everything gets normalized is number five Alzali is number six so you have six potential guys who could slot in now with Alzali huge uncertainty probably leaning towards not starting Killian unfortunately very disappointing second half for him also can't rely on him um so if you take those two out then you have four guys if you bring Smiley back I'm okay with that I I I like I like these guys and their ceilings looking at the top of the rotation with Rodon and Stroman like with Rodon's injury history and he's having a great year now and the stamina's looking good. There's still a side of me that's like, if I'm going to spend 25, 30 million on a starting pitcher, like I want a John Lester, like I want that stability. Um, so part of me wonders if that's still enough, given some of the stamina and injury histories of these guys. I don't know. I have to think about it more. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it also sort of uh, depends on exactly how they're going about this, right? Like if their aim is to be competitive in the division and more earnestly competitive, right? Unlike this year that has turned out not competitive, I guess, unless you're the New York Mets. Um, Then I I, I think that group is solid. I mean, I like, I, I think you have to expect some growing pains from some of these guys, right? Like oh, they should have got, they should have signed Gossman man last year. That I mean, was a mistake. If, if anybody listened to us uh, before joining CHGO, they know how you feel about Kevin Gossman. I know. So, man. Um, but like, you have to expect some growing pains with some of these guys, right? Like, it does not look like you're going to go into opening day with Wesneski or Killian being ready to just jump into the rotation. Which coming into the year, like at the deadline, maybe you were kind of hoping, at least with Killian, right? We didn't know about Wesneski. Yeah. Um, Steele, Thompson, you know, still like we're coming off this year where they're, you know, hitting innings limits and making the most starts they ever have in the majors. Like you have to at least, I think, allow some level of like protection for guys like that, you know, not that you assume they're going to struggle or anything like that, but you know, they're not a hundred percent a known quantity at this point. There's also the chance that they're even better, right? So you have to sort of account, you have to you know, bookkeep for all of that, mm-hmm. right? Same with like Samson Assad. Like they've been good in this role, but that that there's a very big difference between you know making five, ten, fifteen post All Star break starts, things like that, in a low stress environment. To okay, now you're making thirty starts for a team that's trying to win the division. Like that's a big difference, and I think you would have Huge to expect. Difference that maybe doesn't go as well as it has. I think to wrap this up before we, uh, you know, give a word to our sponsors here, I think that this has been a very nice showing from this starting group. And I think the fact, A, that the Cubs have been able to piece it together. We always talk about their pitching infrastructure, their ability to identify these guys, get the most out of some of these guys. I think this speaks really strongly to that on the starting pitching front. And I think it bodes well going forward that however they want to build out this rotation, 
uh, even if they do improve it, which I hope they do in a significant way, you have options for how to build out this depth so that the breadth of sort of coverage that you have for starters for this rotation next year is deep. And if guys get hurt or guys struggle, you are not in, you know, inherently in some kind of like disaster situation because your next best option is, I don't know, right? Kind of reminds me of like the, the shortstop situation in certain years for this team where it was like Javi or bust, right? When Javi was hurt, they called up Nico and then it was Nico. And if Nico got hurt Nico. in 2019, I don't even remember who would have played shortstop, right? It might've been you, Brendan. I mean, call me up. I got my eighty thousand right. in my closet so right now. I, I bring that up because it's like, <laughs> obviously, it's a very different position, but you don't want that, right? You don't want a situation where you go into next year and, you know, Keegan Thompson need, you know, has an injury. What do you do? And you're like, oh, I don't know. We call up some random guy who's struggling from AAA or something. Like, you don't want that. You want to have a clear answer and feel like you're you know, maybe downgrading a little, but not missing a beat, right? And I feel like the Cubs have done a good job in this second half of hopefully identifying some options that can get them there. Now, the one thing we didn't talk about, Brendan, is, you know, we were doing a one through five and making room for people. Obviously, Shohei Otani is is the one. I forgot about that. (laughs) The inevitable Shohei Otani trade. So once he signed or traded for it and Rodon signed, then we'll have to figure out what to do with Kyle Hendricks. Then it gets but, a little uh, complicated. But then it gets a little I think, complicated. I think but, it's a problem we can deal with. Yeah, I can deal with that. No doubt about that. This football season, PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out on your live second half over bet. With PointsBet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet Lightning Bets. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. The next break here is from Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Um, all right, Brendan. So a couple of news and notes items. Uh, firstly, uh, we are recording this, again, as I said, sort of right after the Cubs swept the New York Mets. Uh, Seiya Suzuki did get hit uh, on the hand or wrist area by uh, former Cub Michael Givens. So he is going to get an x-ray on that. Um, He did stay in the game, which is not surprising if you've watched the Cubs medical staff over the years. Uh, You know, I I don't want to speculate on this. Hopefully he's fine, uh, but just keep an eye on this. Obviously on your off day when you're listening to this, there will likely be an update in the morning. Uh, Too many injuries of this, Corey. This and Nico is too much. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, especially like at the end of the season, I mean, say has been me. playing so well, uh, really kind of finding his groove here. Obviously, there you know, there's not too much of the season left, but you never like you, you never want guys getting hit on the hand, no, right? It scares me. Uh, so hopefully, this comes back clean, and this is just a precautionary item. Uh, but there you go. Uh, the other news and notes is that the Cubs are expecting to add one Adbert Alzali back to the team this weekend, and he will be working out of the bullpen, Brendan. So I think it, it's a good sort of piggyback to the starting pitching conversation that we just had. Um, 
he's going to be in relief here. Um, but I think that this is a very intriguing role for Alzali. And when we talk about some of these guys, where do they fit in the rotation, this, that, or the other, like long term, I don't know what their exact vision is. I, I would assume that depends a lot on how he comes back and pitches and is able to stay out there and things like that and get results. I like this role for him, though. Um, I know why they're doing it now. I don't, I, I, I'm intrigued by it long term, though, right? Like, you want as many starting pitching options as you can get. But I think Adbert is one of those guys who just has that stuff that is really, really intriguing as a sort of like two to three inning weapon kind of guy. I, I think so. I, now, some view him still as a potential starter. It's different than expecting him to be that. Potential starter just means that's his ceiling. Even even Tommy Ottavi said like they still view him as a potential starter when he was talking to our guy Ryan from CHGO. It's just right now in this current moment, he's in that relief spot. Like that's just gonna be his role. And they gotta see how he progresses through the rest of the season and then you reevaluate him. Even if he does exactly what he's asked for this September, I'm still viewing him in that piggyback role, swing starter. You can call it emergency starter if you want, even though he's you know, all these guys are likely going to get um or at least be considered for chances next season. And I always point this out because it's it's true, but teams across the league are doing this where they have their fourth or fifth pitching spots and some of those guys are not going to be your consistent 29 to 33 starts every five day guys and they use those slots to swing back and forth uh, with their bullpen guys I mean one great example is the Rays Matt Whistler, who has uh, 44 innings this season and he has five starts so he'll go in He'll start a game, uh, and many of these other guys do the same thing. Maybe two innings, three innings, uh, and they're out. Or vice versa, they'll go in and piggyback off a guy who went you know, two, three, four innings, and that's the way they eat out their bullpen day. With Alzali, I think that's even more relevant because he has really sharp platoon splits right now. And it's not to say you can't get beyond those, but in the current moment, he's a sinker slider guy. And those two pitch types are perfect for right-handed batters. And we heard, by the way, Ryan and I are working on a story about Wisniewski. We heard Daniel Moskos talking about this with sliders and sinkers. Perfect varieties, but those cutters, those change-ups, those are the differentiating pitches for left-handed batters. And that's what's kind of pushing Wisniewski towards that side. And right now, maybe keeping... Alzali at bay. Uh, Alzali was developing a cutter last season. Moscow said that was really important for his development to Ryan, uh, but it's not there yet. So right now, I can see the Cubs using Alzali as like a three-inning guy, four-inning guy against a heavy variety part of the lineup or heavy variety team and shoving through that part of the order like really easily. And I could see him in that time, maybe developing the cutter or change up, working through it. And maybe if he gets an opportunity, he can take hold of that as a starter. But I don't want him to get that shot right away. I'm more interested in giving that shot to other guys on this roster who have a little bit more diverse repertoires at this point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just into this. I, I think... Um... You know, you, you get him in these shorter bursts. I would guess that that fastball can, you know, be in the mid, maybe even uh, lower upper 90s, right? Yeah. Like if he's, if he's you know, really uh, just letting it go for a couple innings. Um, I just think he has that stuff to do that. I think it's a really intriguing thing. And, you know, kind of, again, piggybacking off of our starting pitching conversation, like you are, you you do get into kind of an interesting spot as you head to next year with some of these guys where, like, if he's going to pitch out of the bullpen here, you know, certainly you'll have time in spring training, but like, you're not really, hopefully, I guess, going to have too much time to like experiment with this stuff, right? Well, that's what I mean. Like you want, you want, roles carved out you yes. want to expect certainty right right so i it's 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 not 
it's not that you want to write off starting for Alzali. Um, it's more that, like, how do you get to a point next year, especially if you make additions in this rotation where you're able to say, okay, we're going to let him have a spot, right? He hasn't he hasn't proven himself as as a starter at the MLB level at this yeah. point, you know. So it, it you know maybe you trade some guys, you open up that space, etc. Like who knows what this roster looks like uh, by opening day next year, but. It just seems I, I I like this, and I don't think that we we talked about this with Keegan Thompson a lot. Like I don't think that being in that role is a bad thing, or ha, you know should have like a negative connotation from like the pitcher's standpoint, right? A lot of these guys want to be starters. That's the role they wanted to occupy, et cetera. But it's a very valuable role, especially in today's game. Uh, so that's it's not a knock on any of these guys if that's how they end up being best utilized by the Cubs, right? Like I, I just, Alzali, I think, has the potential to be kind of a, a lethal weapon uh, for the Cubs in this kind of role. And it's just something like I, you can like visualize, I think, right? Easy, um, and he's, for sure. And he's had a little bit of success in it, you know, throughout the, the various times that he's been up and obviously had to transition roles and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm into this and I'm hoping that more than anything, you know, for these last few weeks that he's just able to come up and feel good, stay healthy, things like that. Like I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, um, too dialed into, you know, the exact results and things like that. They're still working through things, trying to figure out the best sequencing of everything and stuff like that. And, you know, when you're rehabbing a shoulder strain since spring training, want to be careful, like, yeah, and, and just glad that he's getting back out there and getting a chance to pitch and, and hopefully he can kind of figure some stuff out. Um, yeah, and it's, it's still to say, too, with Keegan, because you mentioned him, he's probably, in my mind, unless something drastically changes, probably going to get the first shot in that rotation next year. I, I love Keegan. I love the stuff. I love the slider development. I love the attitude, the potential. But when you're trying to project your season with his with less air you can't you can't ignore a strong word but you have to consider some of the inherent volatility in keegan's history and his uh current season developing multiple pitch types uh having a back strain having only started 17 times there is a possibility he's not going to be that 28 plus starter at this point you kind of have to assume that he's not going to be that so even with keegan in that you know, third or fourth rotation spot, let's say fourth or fifth rotation spot, um, you know, you're going to need guys like Alzali. And there could be a scenario where those two guys piggyback off one another and the innings difference between those two guys is maybe only 20 to 30 innings by season ends. This could be a really different look to a rotation than fans are used to seeing from, let's say, the mid-2010s. This could be very different. Yeah. And I, you know, something that I said a lot when we were talking about Keegan in particular, and there was like a question of his role earlier in the year, should he be in the bullpen? Should he be starting, et cetera, et cetera. I think that what you're trying to do now, you you have the off season to either make trades or identify free agents, et cetera, that you really believe in and want to add. And obviously if you're doing that, you would be viewing them as significant contributors to the rotation. Um, but I think a lot of the building that the Cubs have done here is so important because you just need guys that get outs, Brendan. Like that's the name of the game, right? Like that's the simplest way to explain this. It's how baseball works, right? Yeah. You're just trying to get outs. And the Cubs have tried a lot of guys in different roles. Some have had success in multiple of those roles. Some have had success in one and not so much success in others. And it's going to be on the decision makers for this team to piece it all together. And then, of course, next year, David Ross and Tommy Hadovy to manage these games and ultimately manage getting those outs. Mm. But for now, in a season like this, the important thing is identifying who can get outs for us. And then I think you ask yourself the question of how many, how often, things like that. Well, that's when that's you're the question. Building the team next year. That's the question, and that's where, like in my mind, I have a, I have a hard time balancing potential and ceilings versus expectations for next season, because there is a, a a big degree of uncertainty with the entire staff. Like 
maybe sans Strowman, who's had his you know ups and downs this year, but outside Strowman, you can make a convincing argument that you can't project 28 plus starts for anyone else. And so, like for me, that gives me a lot of uh, uneasiness in in projecting the team. I don't know what to make of that though, because at the same time, do you want to go out and expend your resources on starting pitching that may end up being just as valuable as the current guys that you have? That's a delicate balance. I don't know. Sure. I don't know the solution to that. It's and you don't want to talk about the instability with the rotation to knock these guys because you do see how they've developed their pitches, and it's all within a recent sample. It's not as if oh this guy was good in April or May and now he sucks. No, all these guys have been good like three weeks ago. So what do you make of all of this and how do you project their recent development into the formula of winning the division next season? It's really challenging. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I do kind of on that note, you know, just speaking about like, uh, you know, decisions you have to make and adding and is it is it going to be better than some of these current guys, though, all those questions and stuff. There was a good stat from uh, Megan Montemiro of the Chicago Tribune uh, about Drew Smiley, who pitched, obviously, in this series. Um, he allowed one earned run in five innings against the Mets and has a 2.23 ERA in eight starts since August 1st. Of the 11 runs that he allowed in that stretch, Brendan, seven of them came in one game. <laughs> yeah. So the down. other seven starts, he has a 0.86 ERA. Uh, over the last six weeks that's I mean that would uh, you're do. not going to find right. better than that right. you know yeah do you bank on Drew Smiley doing that again I, you know, I, don't, I know. don't know I don't I, know I'm I'm into bringing him back you know that but like that's really strong production yeah I mean I think we're gonna that. we're gonna so. talk about this a lot during the offseason like we're gonna, we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about this yes where, where I'm at now and I'll leave it with this final thought is if I were to finish the offseason today greedily i i want two more pitchers on this team like i want yeah, two more Dylan and otani y- yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we're gonna be super greedy but like taking a step back i want two stable pitchers i want to be able to project three guys with 26 plus stars next year and i only see one guy on this roster that you can do that um and what that means for the development of other guys i have to kind of reconcile that but i think they can compete next season and i think it's possible and only only capable through adding stable arms. And right now where I'm at, it has to be done by adding at least two arms, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm all for that. I think, you know, again, hopefully we end up in a situation where the Cubs have too many interesting players yeah. or good players, right? That's usually a good problem. And maybe they trace some of these guys too. You know, they have a, a high volume it of these guys. certainly seems possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so before we finish up, do it is Wednesday as we're recording this, so that means it is time for our points bet pick of the week. Uh, I, I feel like I don't have a good track record with this, no, but no my logic to. is usually pretty sound um, for whatever that's worth. I was going to say, everybody. okay, that makes no sense. Um, but, well, and usually by logic, I mean often I'm just trusting Cody, but this one I'm going rogue. No, Cody's um, screwed me like three times this year. I'm a little, a little upset about that, but let's see what I, you have to say. He seems to win a good amount. You might he, just be picking I lost bad. You might be picking and choosing when you're listening. I lost a lot of money on that pit game, a seven and a half. Uh, spread um like i still i think he did well over that first nfl weekend you're you're just listening to our guy well, Cody i was, at the wrong I was time. still like recovering from my like emotional losses so okay uh but obviously the uh points bet pick of the week is via points bet uh and you of course can get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars when you sign up using code chgo and I'm I'm going with my gut, which means I'm going with my fantasy team here. Uh, I, I have Justin Herbert. The Chargers on Thursday night are on the road at the Kansas City Chiefs. They are getting four points. That's what I'm going with. I like Justin Herbert. All I right. like the Chiefs. Um, I I know how good Patrick Mahomes is, but I I think the the Chargers maybe a, a little under the radar for some people with just how good they've been recently. Keenan Allen I think is going to be out. Not great. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take the four points and sweat that one out. So all right, that is my point. I'm not I'm week. not gonna bet that with you. I don't trust you. Uh, well, that's fine. Okay. Uh, if you are are looking for more 
betting info and tips, of course, you can uh, always sign up with PointsBet and then watch and listen to the CHGO Bets show with our guy Cody Delmendo and Sean Anderson, who also does the CHGO White Sox podcast. So, uh, more news and notes for you. Uh, as I said, we have a new friend coming to join the Cubs, and that is Jared Young. He was in the lineup uh, for the Iowa Cubs on Wednesday morning. He was going to hit sixth and play right field. His scratch before that game raised, uh, you know, sort of those alarm bells on Twitter. And indeed, he is replacing Rafael Ortega. Uh, Rafael Ortega suffered a broken finger in this series with the Mets. Uh, so before I, I'm going to kick it to you, Brendan, to, to talk to me about Jared Young. Um, but I, I do want to jump in quickly and say it's, it's a, a bummer that this is how the year ends for Rafael Ortega. Um, you know, you, me, others certainly kind of questioned the amount of playing time, uh, certainly starts at the top of the order, things like that, that Ortega was getting, you know, just in a situation like this where, you know, you'd kind of rather, I think, see Nelson Velasquez getting those opportunities or just, you know, younger guys getting these opportunities. That being said, though, right, that's a, that's a, a particular, you know, nitpick in the midst of all of this. What I do want to say, though, is that, one, you never want to see guys get hurt. So this is a bummer for his season to end this way. Uh, It's also a a bummer of a a way for Ortega to end this season, given just how, like, I I think good and, and useful he's been for this team in, you know, when he started uh, for the team in 2021, just a mess of a situation, right? You're coming in there post-trade deadline, trying to fill a role, trying to just uh, keep the organization moving, right? And in 2021, he ends up putting up a 122 WRC+, plus, was worth a, a win and a half over uh, 103 games that he played for the Cubs. And this year, you know, he got off to a slower start, was at a 95 WRC+, plus overall uh, in 118 games. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's really just a hat tip to Rafael Ortega. He's, he's come in, he's played a useful role for this team. He's contributed, uh, you know, at, at times more than others, but, you know, he, he was, a, a, the Cubs found a useful player in Rafael Ortega, and uh, it's, it's a bummer for his season to end on a broken finger like that. Yeah, it's, he has such a good attitude. You want to see guys like that succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, from good my, example for a, a lot of guys. Yeah, good, good. You know, getting an opportunity, taking sure. taking the reins, making the most of it, succeeding day in day out. You for know, sure. doing your thing, right? Yeah, to play devil's advocate, I, I, I like Rafael Ortega. I'm a little exhausted doing this with with older fringe type players yeah there's, I, I said that yeah, yeah there's sure. roles for these guys i can't do this anymore like yes, i i need sure. i need fourth and fifth outfielders that are stable that are not going to make me concerned if they're going to run into say a suzuki like even what we saw with, with uh, hermosillo tonight who's rated as one of the better defenders but i don't like this merry-go-round of trying out so many different guys i need stability and you know, in, in one sense, I am kind of sad for Ortega. In the other sense, I'm like ready to move on. Let's go. Let's let's start winning games. Let's get to 2023. Let's let's get this roster deep, stable. I'm over it, kind of, Corey. Yeah, I get it. Uh, so talk to me about Jared Young getting the opportunity here. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, like it's it's that's kind of a you know uh, interesting transition there because um, he is a little bit older. Jared Young. He's still he's 27 years old. Uh, good for him, finally getting a chance, but he does kind of fall into the same category that we've been uh, experimenting with, with like the Frank Schwindels and um, the Ortegas. Wisdom, it has worked out, and it remains to be seen if he'll be on the roster next season or be used as a trade trip. But you know, when you do all these different types of experiments, a, a few are bound to work out. And for Wisdom, it worked. For Jared Young, there may be less to like compared to the raw tools that you saw with someone like wisdom and that power jared young in triple a this year 450 plate appearances batted 228 
I had a weight on base average of 319, a WRC plus AAA of 90, a strikeout rate 24%, not the best contact rate given he only has 16 homers in 450 plate appearances, doesn't walk that much, walks at a slightly under 9% rate. So the numbers don't look that promising. It's going to be his major league debut as a 27-year-old, having spent the last uh, five-plus seasons in a minor league system. It's always great stories. It's perseverance. It kind of gets you pumped up, and you want guys like that to succeed. Uh, expectations are pretty low. He was added to the 40-man, I'm assuming, because they believe if he doesn't succeed uh, in an extreme fashion, they can just... DFAM, get him off the 40-man, pass him through waivers again, and get beyond that versus calling up someone like Matt Mervis, who you don't want to <laughs> get off the 40-man. Uh, so that seems to be the thinking. But who homered again today. Who homered again today. Yeah. But uh, in my mind, this is kind of a stopgap, and I'm hoping to be wrong. I, I like I, I love baseball for these stories. I got kind of hyped with David Bodie in 2018 because he kind of followed the same route where he's almost out of baseball, and he kind of shocks people. So I do hope we see something that's fun and encouraging. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that was kind of the you know one of the things that we talked about um, with you know someone like Ortega you know and obviously there were other guys earlier in the year you know VR Hayward Simmons etc. What are you doing? Who were getting name? so much playing time? Um, sorry, Jeez. but the, none of those are on the forbidden list. I, mean, I know who's the, on the forbidden list. Well, uh, that's true. Just continue, continue. I'll ignore VR. It. No, he's not. A little bit, man. I don't no, know. no, 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 no. A anyway. Bit. For me, maybe. Anyway, um, we should get like a, we need like an obvious shirt printed with like the the names crossed out <laughs> who are on Corey and Brendan's do just not say a, just list. Just asterisks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I I, I think even, even though a guy like Ortega did contribute a lot uh, over the, the year plus that he was on the team like you like stories like this, right? Whatever you are expecting from Jared Young or whatever, like you want to see guys like this rewarded. Yeah. I think that's good in a year like this to reward guys that are in your system, spending time in your system, you know, plugging away in the lower levels or whatever of your system and and giving those guys the the opportunity and the reward and saying, "Hey, here you go. Like come play at Wrigley Field, like this is what it's all about. Here's your shot, right? Rather than older guys or free agent projects, things like that, that aren't working out. I So I think, you know, whatever your expectations are, I think this is always good for the organization to be doing, to be rewarding these guys. And, um, you know, it does, again, serve as sort of, I, I think, hopefully motivation and uh, justification for a lot of oh, the guys no that doubt. are putting that work in, no you doubt. know, like, hey, they they saw him putting the work in They're They're giving him the call. They're giving him an opportunity, right? Like, I, I think you want that. So um, before we preview this uh, upcoming series, obviously we have an off day on Thursday. Uh, Cody, Luke, and Ryan will have your off day show for you. Um, I, before the game on Tuesday, we did get some more kind of roster updates that I just want to throw out there so that we're aware. Nico's still day-to-day with the tricep soreness. Uh, uh, well, hey, it's not something worse, You right? don't know that. So, you don't know that. I, I, we're feeling I told way. you this would happen. I said the entire week we would not get like a for sure thing. And here we are. Wednesday and Thursday. Get don't yourself, know. you know, go to the go to the CVS. Get yourself one of those things of those melatonin gummies. Just You're right. you know, I should knock yourself out. I should like yeah. all right. Um, Justin Steele through a bullpen, responding well, continuing to progress. Uh, Keegan Thompson is supposed to go on a rehab assignment uh, this weekend. So, you know, again, obviously not a lot of time left here in this season, uh, but always good for these guys to get back out there, finish up however the Cubs want them to in this uh, particular season, you know, get that last bit of work in, go into the off season on a high note, hopefully feeling good, feeling healthy, things like that. So those are your updates. And, you know, on Nico specifically, hopefully we see him this weekend against Colorado. All right. So let's previous upcoming series against the Colorado Rockies. They come to Wrigley on Friday, your traditional 1.20 p.m. start time. We have Jermon Marquez going for Colorado, who's 8-10 with a 5.25 ERA. Stroman on the mound for the Cubs, 3-7, a 3.91 ERA. On 
Saturday, another 1.20 p.m. start time, we have Jose Urena on the mound for Colorado, who is 3-6, and six, a 5.81 ERA. Wade Miley pitching for the Cubs that day, who is 1-0 with a 2.89 ERA in his very abbreviated uh, season. Sunday, Corey, this game, I know you were looking forward to it, did not get flexed to Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, you never know these days. Uh, Nico being out may have something to do with it. Uh, that game starts at 1.20 p.m. We have Ryan Feltner pitching for Colorado. Feltner this season is 2-8, a 6.12 ERA. Facing Javier Assad, who is 1-1 with a 2.53 ERA this series looking for the continuation of solid pitching the bullpen in particular for me I want to see uh, good outings from Rowan Wick uh, Michael Rucker has looked good recently uh, Leiter Jr. got the cl- uh, save in the last game so how Ross orchestrates the bullpen um, you know Brandon Hughes got some chances so some guys are getting chances higher leverage chances I think that's interesting sometimes we do forget that while we are comfortable with the bullpen because they've made a work over to a two-year process right now we kind of have to get back to that point and this is still part of that iteration process to find who's going to be relevant for next season and then beyond the bullpen it's just seeing Nico, is he okay? Is the triceps going to be okay? Is he going to play? Is there going to be an IL stint? I hope not, given that it's been three days. I imagine not. And then looking to see how Sei Suzuki rebounds from that hand in, hand injury. And uh, that's on the forefront of my mind. And I am correct that no no Christopher this weekend, okay. right? I mean, a whole, I mean I'm, I'm asking. Not. I don't pay attention to the Colorado Rockets. Neither, neither so. do I. I mean, like, he's... He's, uh, he, I mean, he hasn't played in like what two months, so I'm assuming he's away from the team. Uh, yes. So I'm looking at a. I just can't. I just can't do it emotionally. He was in Chicago. They were playing the White Sox for three uh, earlier this week. Okay. Uh, but just doing some light work. But he's like so, not. Is he in the dugout? Uh, I mean, he's. I mean, I'm looking at him at guaranteed right field. He's going to be in the dugout. You're going to see him. Yeah, but that doesn't really count. It does count to me. He's going to be on the field. He's going to be giving high fives and hugs to David Ross. I'm asking, is he like playing and hitting homers? But I still, I don't want to do the camera, the hugs with David Ross, all that. I just don't want to do it. I'm over it. I'm so tired. Save me. Well, uh, yeah. (sighs) Uh, Well, one day uh, Javier and Anthony will have to come back. I under under better circumstances. You think better circumstances meaning what? Oh, you're you're right about that. I in my mind I already assumed. You mean when Anthony resigned for the Cubs? Is that <laughs> well, what you mean? Well, maybe. <laughs> but dude, in my mind, I forgot they haven't made their return back to Wrigley. That, that's gonna that's gonna wreck me. I can't do this. Hmm. <sighs> it doesn't really make sense to do a Rizzo Mervis platoon. They're both lefties, you know. So, so you can sign, sign. How about you just trade? You have to trade Mervis. Trade Mervis yeah, sign right. Tony uh, for Javi. I don't know. I don't know about Javi. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this got weird at the end here, but uh, I think that's what we have for you. That was an enjoyable series. I, I mean, in a in a season that has overall not been good and at times been a total mess um this was fun honestly i mean this was fun to watch i think there's a unique thing uh i i it it i guess it does extend to even younger people because of 2015 the nlcs like yeah cubs fans just don't like the mets like so that you could just see it like on twitter like the people were you know uh, jubilant uh, watching these games, Brendan. I mean, people were like having a really good time watching the Cubs sweep the Mets. It's, like, it's, was... it's, a, it's a generational thing. You know, you grow up just hearing about the, the collapse, you know, in the 60s, and this is what happens. Uh, yeah, I just, um, I can't remember a series this year, I, maybe since like the beginning of the year that was like this fun unanimously, like for every, all of us on social and things like that watching this, like everybody just having a grand old time watching the Cubs sweep the Mets. Sweep the um, Mets, yes. 
Right. Yeah. In New York. In New York, yeah. So um, that is that. As I said, uh, don't miss the CHGO Cubs off-day show for you. Luke, Cody, and Ryan should have that for you. Um, and that's what we have for you. As always, don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet. We thank you for all of your support of everything going on at CHGO. As we talked about, uh, I think, on Sunday, uh, you know, don't miss uh, all of the coverage for the Chicago Bears. Our CHGO Bears crew has expanded, and they will have you covered pre- and post-game, all of your game coverage, excellent written content to go along with all of the excellent written content from our guy Ryan Herrera and our other guy Jared Willis at allchgo.com that you can get access to when you sign up. Thank you for listening to Brendan and I and your support of the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you after the Cubs finish up with the Colorado Rockies, and as always, go Cubs!